I've been, uh, I guess I've been learning this for over 20 years. And um, I think I'm just finally starting to understand a little bit of it. And, um, you know, <clears throat> we, we have a tendency in the body of Christ to, <clears throat> to identify with um, a revelation. And that's really not good. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll say it like this. <clears throat> you have people that would consider themselves to be faith people. And then you have people that consider themselves to be grace people. And um, you have then all manner of different types of things. People that, things that people identify with <clears throat> that bring forth their identity um, in something other than Jesus. Now, I've definitely spent time doing that. Um, I've done that as well. I probably spent the first portion of my, my Christianity, you know, considering myself to be a faith person. And then I spent, you know, probably the, maybe the last 10 years or so considering myself to be a grace person. And really, both those are wrong. Um, <clears throat> there aren't faith people and grace people. There are Christians. There are believers. And really, our, our identity... Should, can someone grab me a water, pretty please, if you don't care? <clears throat> Excuse me. Our identity should be in Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Not in a revelation, right? And um, it should be that way. And, and, I, and I'll say this again, and I say this all the time, but your identity also shouldn't be in a preacher. You should never put your identity in a preacher or even in a church. Um, how many you know that? Thank you, sir. You should, your identity should be in, in, in Jesus. Amen? And I think that if we identified more with Jesus and less with preachers or churches that we as the body of Christ might be able to actually work together a little bit better because we would start saying, you know, well, I am of Paul or I am of Apollos and I am of this preacher, I am of that preacher because the moment you start to identify with a preacher or a church or something like that, you immediately start to think you're better than other people. You know, and you're, you know, it's like, well, I'm, a, I'm guarantee you in Scripture, those that said, I'm of, I am of, of Paul, well, they thought they were more spiritual than those that were Apollos of Apollos and the guys that were of Peter, well, they're more spiritual than the guys that are of, of Paul or whatever. And, and, you know, God didn't die so you could identify with a man. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like he, didn't, he didn't die so that you could identify with a person or even identify with a church. And I think that as believers that we're, 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 we're moving away from, because how I many of that type of thinking is carnal? It talks about it there in Corinthians. It says that it, you know, that it, the, the, are you, you know, not carnal and walk as mere men, and you have seditions and factions and all of these things. Seditions and factions and elevations of one group above another group. That that's that's carnality. That's not spiritual. Um, being, how um, I many know we're 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 of the of one spirit and we're of one baptism and of one Lord. And there's a sense of unity that happens in the kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean that. That, that any one group of people have it all figured out. I mean, you know, as I'm sitting here right now, there, there are no experts in this room on God. Right. Everyone here is a student. Right. No one has God completely figured out, myself included. I'm still learning. And uh, never stop learning, because the moment that you, you stop learning and you think you've arrived, yeah. you're, you're basically yeah. building a statue yeah. uh, to the past. And you know, when you have a relationship with the living God, I mean, you know, we're, we're going to continue, even into eternity, we're going to be changed. Right. Like we're going to, you know, and I love the example of the, uh, 
you know, the, the, the living creatures that are in the throne that are, you know, flying around the throne room singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Every time they go around that throne room, they see another facet of who God is and they're completely blown away. And the Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. If they can do that for eternity, then how much more us down here in these finite bodies can learn more about God and can understand more about God? And how many know as, as you have relationship with the one that does not change, how many know it changes you? I mean, you know, God doesn't, doesn't, hasn't brought you to a place to where you're not going to change or, or learn or, or things of that nature. You know, and last week I was talking about how God has brought forth some growth into my life. You know, in my childhood, I, I endured a lot of emotional abuse. And as a result of that, it's been difficult for me to handle conflict. Like anytime there's conflict, I feel like someone's attacking me uh, because I, was, I spent a lot of time being emotionally abused as a child. And so, you know, I'm 44 now. And, and, you know, I guess I've been a believer since I was, you know, in my early 20s. And I, I'm just now getting to the place to where God's developing me in this area where I can actually handle conflict and I can work through it. Now, I can handle conflict with people I don't know and people around here. But when it's someone close to me, like my, like my wife, and then and she's trying to, you know, bring something to me, in the past it's made me feel like I was being personally attacked. But as I've had relationship with the one who does not change, how I many you know he wants to heal that in my heart? He wants me to, to, to know that, hey, you're not being attacked. Uh, you know, someone just is talking to you about something that they would like to change. And like this morning, my wife and I, we had a conversation that in the past could have turned into an argument. Anyone ever had an argument before going to church on Sunday? <laughs> Anyone have one today? <laughs> you know, and just be honest. How I many know oh, you want honesty, right? You want transparency. Let's be real. And so like, and it was some little tiny comment about like clothes or something, right? And so what had happened was there was a miscommunication. How many know most arguments arise out of miscommunication? Yeah. She thought I was saying something that I wasn't saying. And then I was hurt by the fact that she had said what she said, but she was responding to what she thought that I was saying. And maybe I didn't convey what I was actually saying properly. So in the past, what would have happened was I would have just been hurt and think, oh, man, look at me. I'm doing this. And that. Anybody know the pity party? You know, I do this and I do that. And I, you go through all the stuff that you do and how awesome you are and how everyone should just understand you better and blah, blah, blah. Anybody else do that? Come on, don't leave me up here by myself, right? And so like, but, but because of the fact that God's working something in my heart, rather than me getting mad, not externally, just internally, I made a decision to listen to what she had to say. I put my emotions down, and when, she, when I could hear what she was saying, I understand why she felt the way that she felt, because she thought I was saying something that I was not saying at all. And so we talked, we worked through it, and we had a happy ride to church. Yes, whereas in the past, we wouldn't have had a happy ride to church. I would have been quiet in pouting, you know what I'm saying? Because you know I'm not a loud, angry person, I'm a quiet, angry person, you know? And so just being honest, but because of the fact that I have a relationship with someone who does not change, he's changing me to where I can handle conflict without feeling like I'm being attacked. And it's growth in me personally, then it's also growth in my wife and our marriage, and it makes life better for our kids too. Can I get an amen? Because ain't nobody want to ride in the car with, with people that are mad at each other. And I say all that to say this, I'm still learning. I'm still a student. And, and if we will humble ourselves... God will continue to teach us and to change us. But how many know if I'd have solidified in, well, I'm right. I'm right and she's wrong. Then, then how many know that she wouldn't have been able to open up her heart and heal? 
And I wouldn't have developed at all. I just would have stayed in my stone face um, castle of delusion <laughs> and wouldn't have grown at all. But because the Lord is so good, how I many of oh, God wants to heal every broken area in your yes. life? There's not a broken area in your life that God doesn't want to heal. And, and you know, just because you're born again doesn't mean you don't still have broken areas. I mean, we still have areas that need healing. Right. And, and, so, um, and so I say all that to say this. We stay a student. And we, we, we continue to learn. And we continue to... to I mean, you, know, you can still change things in your life. Amen? You don't get to this place where you can't change. No, you can always change if, you're, if you humble yourself, right? And so I had a season in my life where I identified with being a faith person and it was faith, 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 faith. It was all faith. You know, and we were in church all the time. We were always learning about faith. And we were always trying to get more faith. And we didn't have none. <laughs> we had no faith. We had no faith. We faked faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we didn't have no fruit. We went to Walmart and bought fruit and taped it on our tree. And then bragged to everybody about our fruit. Right? And then we deified the people that we thought had faith. Like, you know, we thought, well, the pastor has great faith, but our faith stinks. We need to try harder. We need to give more. You know, we need to listen to, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So we got to be in church 24 hours a day, seven days a week, four-hour services, word, 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 word. And our challenge was we were going about it the wrong way. And we, 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 had, we understood some things, but we had no understanding of grace whatsoever. We had no understanding of it is finished on the cross and so we had all this faith, but we had no grace. And the thing about faith and grace is they don't work by themselves. They work together. They work together. If it's all faith, it don't work. If it's all grace, it don't work. The, how many of we got to go back to the Scripture? Come on, brother. No place in the Scripture does it say, well, I'm a faith person. Well, I'm a grace person. How many of that's not in the book? If it's not in the book, then we don't want it, right? No, over and over again, it says, by faith through grace, by faith through grace, faith and grace, faith and grace. They're, they're, part, they're in partnership. And so, anyway, we tried so hard to have faith, we didn't have any faith, and so we worshiped the people that we thought did have faith. And we sent them money so we could be more like them. And we tried to buy their gifts and buy their callings and all these unscriptural things. I mean, you know, nothing in God's kingdom is for sale. It's, it, why? It's too expensive. Don't insult the blood of Jesus by trying to buy something that His blood paid for. It's all free. It's all free. None of it's for sale. Healing's not for sale. Salvation's not for sale. There is no more middleman. The middleman has been removed. It's an open door. Jesus is here. He's ready to give you everything for free. Amen? Right. Now, as a ministry, like we're grateful that people want to give into the ministry and support the ministry. I mean, that's awesome, and we're grateful for that. But at no place in time do you ever put a price tag on anything that Jesus' blood paid for. That's wrong. You can't sell things to God's people. Amen? And so, anyway, and so we tried so hard to have faith, and we never had any faith, and we were wore out, and we were tired. And here's the thing. I'll tell you this, too. We were mad at God. Because I believed that faith is what moved God. I was taught that faith moved God. And so I'm like, God, like, like, Come on. Like, I'm trying really hard to have faith. What is your problem? And it's like, you know, God, if you were half as cool as the person down the street, then you'd heal me. Or you'd heal my child. Or you'd, you'd help us pay our bills. Or you'd protect us or keep us. And because the way faith was presented to me is that faith is what moved God. And if you didn't have enough faith, then God wasn't going to move. And what it actually left me, it left me in a place where, like, 
I don't like God because He's not nice. <laughs> he's not cool. He's not doing all these things that He said that He was going to do because I can't produce enough faith chips to get His hand to move. And that was my paradigm. And I'm here to tell you, everything that I just described right now, that's wrong. That is not the way things work. And we're going to take a look at it in Scripture. You, faith does not move God. And I'm not, I'm, not even going to, I'm not even going to qualify that statement. I'm just going to make that statement and let you think about it for a minute. And then we'll go through Scripture and we'll take a look at it. Because we've heard that so much. And so if we didn't have enough faith, we'd try to fast. Fasting will move God, right? Man, I'm going to fast. I'm going to not eat. Dude, I have missed so many meals trying to move God. You know what I'm saying? Like, we was trying to, it's like, God, look at me. I'm miserable. My breath stanks because I haven't eaten in days. Anybody ever fast and your breath smell bad? You're just burning fat. And like, <laughs> praise God. And like, we would, I mean, we just, we miserable. We're going to move God. And like, that's not, it's not a New Testament concept. Your misery doesn't move God. Your faith doesn't move God. Your money doesn't move God. And then we were taught that our money was what moved God. Well, man, we just gave and gave and gave and gave and gave and gave. I mean, just, I don't even want to get into how much we gave, right? And the whole time I'm trying to get God to do something and, and He's not doing it. And then I'm told it's always my fault. That's why it's not working. Not true. Uh, you're exactly right. It's not true. But that's what I was taught and that's what I was told. And it left me very bitter towards faith. And, and I was just tired of this faith stuff. I won't hear about no faith, right? And so then I got a hold of grace, you know? And then grace started, like, brought me back to, like, the foot of the cross and brought me back to Jesus and started getting me focused back on, like, on who God was. And, and really, this whole thing's not really about me. It's actually about Jesus. And, you know, Jesus is my Savior, and He's the one that saves me. I'm not the one that saves myself. And, and started getting my attention and my focus on, on off of faith and on to grace and, and then I, you know, I started experiencing some freedom and some deliverance, and it was wonderful. And I was you know, walking down this road of grace. But now, like, I don't want to hear the F word. I don't want to hear faith. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't nobody say faith around me. Oh, that preacher said faith. Turn him off. Now, why, why was that my attitude? Because if you've ever been abused in any area, you don't want to revisit that place of abuse. People have been abused in a marriage. They have a hard time in marriage. People that have been abused sexually, they have a hard time uh, you know, with healthy sex. People that have been ab abused um, as a child, or ab even the, what I was talking about, the emotional abuse that I endured before in conflict. But how I many you know that, that just because something has been abused doesn't mean that it's wrong? How I many you know a gun by itself has never killed anybody? Right. Guns aren't evil. That's right. Okay? Just like, how I many you know money's not evil? I mean, you can take money and do good things with it. You can take money and do bad things with it, right? right. I mean, you can take a fork and do good things with it. You can stab somebody with a fork. You know what I'm saying? So, like, so faith isn't evil, but the way it was presented to me was twisted. And it, it left me very frustrated. I've been about, I spent about 14 years trying to have more faith and really not ever having much at all, which left me... And how I many know a lot of people just walk away from God? After they go through this, they're like, forget this thing. I can't do it. And then they conclude that their promises aren't for today. Healing's not for today. God taking care of our needs isn't for today. Uh, God protecting us isn't for today. Why? Because they didn't experience it because they can never produce enough faith chips to get God to move. And so, so anyway, so I started walking down the grace road 
And, you know, and initially I was experiencing a lot of life in it. But then I got to, and so I didn't want to hear nothing about the F word. didn't want to hear nothing about faith. But then what started to happen to me is it was just grace, 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 and no faith. I became lazy. And I became apathetic. And I had no motivation. And I had no drive. And it, and even we as a church arrived to that place. It was all grace and no faith. And like, it, it was as unhealthy as all faith. But it was a different type of unhealthiness. And, and it was all grace, all grace, all grace. And you just kind of get apathetic. Well, God does it. He did. And, and I'll, I'll lay it out to you like this. All grace and no faith is like this. I think this is a great analogy. Let's pretend there's a big buffet up here, right? Buffet's got fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy, green beans, cornbread. Can I get an amen? All the good stuff, right? You know, fried okra, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just the good stuff, right? And every Sunday, we have a buffet, and we talk about the buffet, we point at the buffet, we tell everybody about the buffet, but we never eat it. All we do is talk about it. And folks, if all we focus on is the grace of God with no realization that faith is important to access grace, then we can talk about the love of God all day long. We can talk about the promises of God all day long. We can talk about the buffet. But until you rise and stick your fork in the chicken and put it in your mouth, I don't care how beautiful you paint the buffet, you will not eat. That's a big amen. Yeah. And so so what I'm learning is we can't just be all about faith and we can't just be all about grace. We've got to be all about Jesus. And Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. And Jesus is filled with grace and truth. And so if we can major on Jesus, we can actually have faith and grace and let them work together rather than being, I'm a faith person and I'm a grace person, which is the dumbest thing in the world, and I did it for years. Most of my life I did that. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not a faith preacher or a grace preacher. I'm a gospel preacher. I preach Jesus. And out of that place, there's going to be a balance of faith and grace so that not only can we see the buffet, but we can eat it. Because <laughs> I want to eat the buffet. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to talk about the fried chicken all day. I want to sink my teeth into it. Amen? So, now... That does not mean that I'm moving away from the grace of God. I'm not doing that. The grace is the foundation for everything. Uh, God has actually moved first. And so we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So don't get scared. I'm not getting legalistic, and I'm not going to get legalistic. But there's a balance between the two, and I'm seeing it. Now, all that being said, let's go to the Scriptures. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, please. And let's take a look here at verse 7. It says that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, by grace, through faith. By grace, through faith. Now here's the thing. Has the grace of God taken care of the, the sin of the entire world? Yes, yes, yes. It has. Like, from the worst person out there to the most moral person out there. I mean, if you haven't received Jesus, you're spiritually dead. Right. And it's not an issue. It's an issue of, I mean, we're, we're looking to, the gospel comes to not make bad people good. 
The gospel comes to make dead people alive. Now, out of the life of Christ, the goodness of God will flow and it will change your behavior. Fruit of the Spirit will flow, all of these things. But how I many know grace is paid for the sin of the entire world? But here's the thing. How I many know people are not automatically saved? They're not. It's not scriptural. And I know people teach that and stuff like that, but it's not in the book. No, no. You know, when, when, when the jailer in the book of Acts was at that moment where you know, Paul and Silas had sung and the prison doors opened up, and the jailer came running out, and he said, what must I do to be saved? Paul did not tell him, you're already saved. He said, you got to believe. So how many know the grace of God had already paid for the jailer's sins? But he had to believe in order to receive it. Right? How many know, in, in, in the, how many know there are two thieves on the cross next to Jesus? How many know one thief was saved, the other one wasn't? How many know both sins were paid for? How many know that, that when, when, when Peter rejected Jesus three times with swearing, how many know Jesus paid for that sin on the cross? How many know Jesus paid for Judas' sin on the cross? Why did Peter have a different outcome than Judas? How many know Peter believed and received and allowed Jesus to pay for his sins? Judas tried to pay for his own sins. So the list goes on and on and on. The entire grace is paid for the sin of the entire world, but in order to receive that grace, we access it by faith. Faith comes from only one place, Jesus Christ. And even the thief on the cross that's exactly right. That's how he accessed it. He believed, and that's how he got saved. And so Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. As you behold Jesus, faith is going to arise in your heart. But faith and grace are not two opposing sides. They're not two opposing camps. They actually work together beautifully. Amen? Well, let's turn to Romans chapter 4, please. And um, we'll, we'll continue in this. And, and so, now, and, and I want you to understand, now, as I'm teaching this, don't, you know, how many know when you've been hurt in an area and you start hearing something again, how many know it can try to bring all that past garbage up? It's like, oh gosh, Jeremiah's going to start preaching faith and... We're all gonna like start fasting and you know all that stuff. You know what I want to, and so don't allow your past. Can we can we agree that the scriptures are true? Yes. Like that we can agree of that. So like, in it, let's meet in the scriptures and let's reason together and let's let the spirit of God teach us. Don't take my opinion. Don't take someone else's opinion. Be more noble and search the scriptures yourself. How many know that you are called to have a personal relationship with God? For yourself. That's the difference between the Old Covenant and New Covenant. Old Covenant, people have a relationship through the three anointed people. The prophet, the priest, and the king. New Covenant, how many know you are anointed? How many know I'm not more anointed than you because I'm up here running my mouth? Come on. I mean, I don't have more of Jesus because I'm up here running my mouth. Come on. You, you, the same Spirit of Christ is on the inside of you that's inside of me. And, and I'll tell you right now, God can teach you way better than I can. Yes, he can, and he will teach you. Now, he will use ministry gifts, and he will use uh, fivefold ministry gifts to complement the teacher that's on the inside of you. That's how he set things up. But at the end of the day, how many of you need to develop your own conviction, and you need to have your own relationship with God? How many of you don't need to have a relationship with God through my relationship with God? Can I get an amen? Right? And so, like, so we want to go in the scriptures and see whether these things be true. So even though we may have had some bad experiences with the F word, 
You know what I'm saying? Let's allow God to open the Scriptures back up. How many of you know some preachers have twisted some Scriptures that need untwisting? Yeah. That's all. They just need to be, they just need to be untwisted because the Scriptures are true even though someone may have used them to abuse you. Right? So I just want to encourage you in that as we move forward. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. It says, For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are made heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. What, what does that mean, Jeremiah? That means this. Faith and grace make the promise sure. See, faith is not this thing where we're all trying to get bigger and bigger faith. Well, I just need more faith. I just need bigger faith. I just need bigger faith. How, how many of y'all were taught that? Some people were taught that, right? What you have to understand, and we're going to look at this in just a second, it is by faith through grace. That's how it works. That's how it operates. God did it that way to make it easier on you so you don't have to perform and you don't have to earn it. How many know when law is introduced, when a concept of legalism is introduced, how many it makes you think that you have to earn something from God? Right. If you think that your good behavior is what puts you in line to get blessed, you have no faith. Good. Your faith is void at that point. Why? Because you think that you're earning God's goodness with what you do. Mm -mm. You can't do that. You cannot earn anything from God. It must be by faith through grace. It must be a gift that's received for free. In any level of you thinking that you're earning it from God, because at, at its very core, this is what legalism is. It's I'm going to be good enough to control God. I'm going to make God bless me. And I know that's a crazy concept. No one would say that out loud, but when you think your good behavior is what makes God give you favor or like you or bless you, you're setting yourself up for failure because your faith is in a broken glass and you will have no faith and you'll be totally into works. And you'll be trying to earn things from God. And we can't do that. How many of you know God will be in debt to no one? Right. You can't make God owe you. I mean, He just don't roll like that. He said, I'm going to do it all on the cross, for free, and I'm going to give it to you for free through Jesus. All you got to do is believe it and enjoy it. Don't try to earn it. Don't try to cut a side covenant with me. Let me try to cut a side covenant with God. Well, God, I'll never do that again. Well, God, if I do this, if I never do this, when you do that, don't, you want the cross. You don't want a side covenant with God. Don't come to God based on your obedience. Come to God based on Jesus' obedience. That's how it works, man. And so, so now, so you don't want to earn anything from God. Now, Jeremiah, are you saying our behavior is not important? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying this. God's not your employer. Come on now. He's your father. Come on now. Come on. And if you come to God as his, if he's your employer, you're going to be frustrated. Because everything you get, you're going to think you earned it. And then you're not going to be thankful. You're going to be looking at you and how awesome your faith is. That's not the kingdom. Let me lay it out to you like this. I think it'll make it a little bit more clear. Let's say, you know, we got Christmas rolling around, and let's say Eli comes up to me. Eli's four years old. He says, Dad, this year at Christmas, I'm going to earn every single gift under that tree. 
I'm going to be so good this year that you're going to owe me every single gift under that tree. Now, how I many know when Christmas rolls around, let's say he was really good, and he comes to receive gifts, how I many know he's not going to experience love from me, and I'm not going to experience the joy of giving something to him. It's going to have left relationship and turned into a transaction. You have earned this gift, it's yours. You have earned this gift, it's yours. And so when he receives that gift, he's not thankful because he earned it. His eyes aren't on me. His eyes are on himself. And, and he's just going to brag about how awesome he was because he earned all these gifts. Are y'all tracking me here? And so when you come to God, we can't come to God through works. We have to come to God through, to God through faith, through grace. How I many of you know Jesus paid it all? All you do is believe it and receive it. And when you do receive it, who do you brag on? On, on the Lord. You don't brag on... Now, Jeremiah, are you saying our, our, our conduct isn't important? No, your conduct is extremely important. How I many you know the, 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 the way you act is how you represent God in the earth? And we can say faith and grace all day long, but if you're treating people like crap, um, you are not carrying the gospel the way it should be carried. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I'm out here beating my wife or beating my kids, how many of you don't want to hear what I got to say? Come on now. I, my theology might be fantastic. I might be able to run my mouth well. But if I'm treating the people around me like crap, I don't understand any of this stuff. Y'all tracking me here? How many know the way that you carry yourself is extremely important? Your conduct is extremely important. Now, your conduct does not determine your salvation. Your conduct does not determine God's love for you. But your conduct will determine whether... The, it will determine the impact that you have on the world around you, and it will also determine your quality of life. You can be a forgiven idiot. I have been one. I have spent time as a forgiven idiot. And if you do dumb stuff, you're going to get dumb results. Now, God's still going to love you, but you may go to heaven faster than what you had to. Come on. How many of those repercussions for your actions? It's the truth, man. I mean, it's just a fact. Grace does not take away responsibility for what we do. If I, if I would have yelled at my wife this morning when we, ha when we had our disagreement and I'd have yelled at her and got so mad at her, how many of you know that that's going to change my whole day? Now, it's not going to change the way God sees me. How many of you know God still loves me? That's right. And I'm still forgiven. Can I get an amen? That's right. But how many of you know God's going to work on me to try to, to, to allow the fruit of who Jesus is to come forth out of my life. But how many know it is going to affect my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my kids? <clears throat> and then how many know the enemy is going to come and condemn the fire out of me? Look at you. Look what you said. Look what you did. And he's going to try to make me self-conscious, right? So I'm not saying your conduct isn't important. It's extremely important. How many know we're called to a love walk? Can I get an amen? But when it comes to receiving from God, you don't come based on what you've done. You come based on what Jesus has done. Can I just get an amen? Yes, it's so simple. And, and just come get it, man. You know what I'm saying? Have the audacity to take what God has provided. And, and that's, what, that's what faith does. Faith takes. It's the word lumbano. And, you know, if, there is a, if there's a buffet, Brother Johnson going to go grab some chicken. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to eat the chicken. I'm going to grab the chicken. I'm not just going to talk about the chicken. I'm going to go eat the chicken. How many you know that God has promises that are yours, but how many you know you got to take them? We're going to take a look at that in just a moment. Because if you hear all grace and no faith, you become apathetic and you don't actually use the fork. Rise, kill, and eat. Amen? Take what's yours. Amen? Take what Jesus paid for. Now, 
Let's turn to Romans chapter 12, please. And I want to I want to talk about this for a moment to keep us, you know, because when you start talking about faith, it's like, oh man, here we go. Gotta gotta get bigger faith, bigger. And maybe some of y'all never came out of the, those scenarios. And if you didn't, and you have no idea what I'm talking about, just consider yourself blessed. You know, consider yourself blessed that you you didn't go through the legalistic hell that other people went through. You know, um, I, I you know so. So, but, but bear with the rest of us as we heal. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. But so Romans chapter 12 gives us an amazing thing about faith. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Dealt to each one a measure of faith. Here's the thing, folks. Faith is a gift. Right. You don't produce it. You don't earn it. It's a gift. So like, it's not on you to create all this faith. No, you got a measure of faith. See, God knows that our faith is so bad apart from Him. He's like, I'm going to have to give them faith just so they can get saved. Like He does everything. Like when this whole thing's over, folks, and we throw our crowns at His feet, like... We were blessed despite ourselves. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. The longer I live, the more I realize that. Everything the good that's happened in my life was Jesus Christ. Yep. That's right. I, all the thing I've managed to do is mess things up along yep. the way. Come on, brother. I, I am a man that has been saved. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's my testimony. Yep. I have been rescued, you know? Yes, sir. And, and, and I'm okay with that because I'm a sheep. You're a sheep. I mean, we got a shepherd, right? That's right? And he rescues us. And he deserves the glory. He deserves the honor. He deserves it. And, and, and I'm happy living in a place of gratitude. How many you know you're not called to brag on how big your faith is? That is the dumbest thing in the world. I mean, and how I many you know people do it? I'm a man of great faith. It's like, see, if you look at the scriptures, it says that he gave us faith to, to get rid of bragging. He literally made this thing by faith through grace so nobody could brag. And yet we're so dumb, we still brag. We find a way to brag. My faith is so big. My faith's bigger than yours. And for three easy payments of $19.99, your faith can be just like mine, right? Man, I'll tell you what. Some of these guys, when they get... get how many know there's a great... Don't get me started. Amen. Let's stick right here. Let's stay right here. So anyway, so you got the measure of faith when you got saved, right? Let's see what measure of faith you got. Turn to Galatians chapter 2, please. Let's see what kind of faith you got. You know, did you get Lego man faith? Did you get big faith, mustard seed faith? What kind of faith did you get? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the proper translation of that scripture. You can look at different translations, but that's not talking about faith in Jesus. If you look at it, it's talking about the faith of Jesus. How many know that Jesus has, he has given you his faith as a gift? See, that's, how many know that's a game changer? <clears throat> You're not relying on your weak ability to trump up believing. Jesus has given you the gift of his faith. Yes, you rely on his ability. He does all this thing. You don't get any credit for anything. It's the best news in the world. You know, I mean, we don't want no credit. How I many only one should be glorified? Yes. Jesus Christ. Let Him be glorified. And so now, now here's the thing. Now, 
When Jesus walked the earth, how many he, he reproved people for having small faith regularly? He did. He was on them. He's like, you have little faith. You have little faith. You have little faith. You have little faith. He did it constantly. But after the cross and after Jesus' resurrection and after Pentecost and when the early church is birthed, how many of you know you never see Paul tell anyone that they have small faith? You never see, see Peter tell anyone they have small faith. Why? Because they've been given the gift of the measure of faith. Jesus' faith has been placed inside them as a result of the new birth. You never hear anyone rebuked for not having enough faith. You don't. Why? Because things changed. Because now people are born again. And born again people have been given the measure of faith as a gift. People that aren't born again didn't have that measure of faith. So Jesus, in the Gospels, reproved people for weak faith and for little faith, but you don't see that one time in the early church. Not once. Oh, Corinthians, where is your faith? Not said. Oh, Galatians, where is your faith? Not said. Why? Because they've all been given the gift of faith. Once again, how many of you, there's not somebody in this room that has more of Jesus than somebody else. You understand? Like, we all got the same dose of Christ. You know, Brian didn't get a better faith than I got. You know? And Jonathan didn't get a, a better faith than Brian got. Like, we all got the measure of faith. We were given Christ. Same spirit, man. And so it's like, so now you're not trying to get bigger faith. You're not trying to get more faith. So what's the deal? Where's the rubber meet the road? What's the problem? Why are we seeing some people manifest and maybe some people not manifest and all these types of things? And I will say this also, do not compare yourself to somebody else. Never do that. You can See, if an apple tree compares itself to a pear tree, the apple tree will always feel like it's not good enough. Well, I can't make a pear. I can't make a pear. You ain't supposed to make a pear. You never were supposed to make a pair. And so if you think, I just got to make a pair, I just got to make a pair, you will be a miserable apple tree. So like, don't compare yourself to somebody else and try to be like somebody else. Because listen to me, when you try to be like somebody else, you deny the world of the gift of who you are. We don't need more people like somebody else. We need you like you are flowing as Christ is in you. Amen. How many of y'all love looks different flowing through different people? That's right. And so a lot of times we compare ourselves, well, I wish I could just be nice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, geez, Jeremiah's just so nice. You know, or whatever. And, and, like, and love is different for different people. Like, like my wife has more of an administrative gift. And, and, and so, and then I'm, I'm an encourager. Like I will encourage, I just encourage people. I love to encourage. I'm always encouraging. That's one of the ways that I express love. And so one of the ways that my wife expresses love is she makes sure things are going smoothly and things are taken care of. So she's behind the scenes making sure everything's going good. That's her loving. I'm in the mix encouraging. But you're probably not going to get tons of encouragement out of Stacy's mouth. She's not called to be an encourager. She'll encourage you a little bit, but it's not going to be the way I encourage you because that's my gift. But her gift of administration is extremely important because it allows my gift to function. Come on now. You know, I mean, you know, we all got different gifts in this room. Right. 
And like, you ain't supposed to love like somebody else loves. So just because your love don't look like somebody else's love looks like doesn't mean that your love isn't good. It just needs to be different. How I many of you know some people see things in black and white and they're what you call a straight talker? And how I many know that, that, that you need that type of person in the room to cut through everything and tell people like it is? How I many know that person isn't always perceived as being loving? But how I many know sometimes you don't need encouragement? You need a, this is dumb. <laughs> Seriously, like, don't do this because it's dumb. How I many know you can't encourage somebody always out of dumb until we locate the fact that it is dumb? Amen. Amen. And the person with that, what you would call a prophetic personality gift, one of the, one of the motivational giftings, they're going to come and they're going to see things in black and white and they're going to be like, that's dumb. You need to quit doing that. Right? And, and how many know, as the encourager, I can encourage somebody all day long, but if they're floating around in dumb, they're still in dumb. So what do we need? We need both gifts. We need somebody to come up and say, that's dumb. And then you need me to come along and encourage you after you step out of dumb that you can still move on with your life. But you've got to have both. Can I get an amen? And how many know we can function in both? We can, just because you don't have a strong mind. And then how many know we need a mercy gift? How I many of oh, the mercy gift is going to sit down and weep with those that weep? And they're going to pour their heart out and they're going to feel what you feel. And you need people like that. But you can't only have people like that in your life or all you're going to do is cry. You need somebody to come along and say, I know you're hurting, but that's dumb. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> are y'all tracking me here? And it takes all those giftings together. So I say all that to say this, never compare yourself to somebody else in anything in anything, especially in the areas of faith. All right? So now let me, let, me, let me take this a step further here. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5, please. And I put together a state-of-the-art visual example. State-of-the-art. State-of-the-art, yeah. Just c- complete with Lego in the back to make it all work. <laughs> That's how you know it's coming from my house because there's, there's Legos and... There's command strips involved, right? Anyway, it's irrelevant. I just want to get a point across to you. Now, going back to the thing about faith moving God, okay? Faith does not move God, okay? And let me lay it out to you like this before I lay it out to you with this right here. Um, Let me read the Scripture first. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that whom also... We have access by faith into this grace. Everybody say access. Access. By faith faith. into this grace. Faith accesses what's been provided by the cross. Faith does not produce it. It accesses it. Man, if you can get this, it'll change your life. And let me lay it out to you like this. Let's say I'm at my house and... My TV's not on. My air conditioning's not on. My lights aren't on. So I call the power company. I call KU, electric. And like, look, <laughs> call you guys, right? <laughs> Do you work for those guys? Yeah. And I'm like, hey, y'all need to come down here and turn my TV on. Y'all need to come down here and turn my air conditioning on. Y'all need to come down here and turn my lights on. How many of you are going to like laugh me off the phone and hang up on me because clearly I'm an idiot, right? But... 
How many know it's not the power's company, it's not the power company's job to turn your TV on or turn your lights on or turn your AC on? It's their job to produce the power. You access it by your decision to turn the lights on. 2,000 years ago, the cross produced all the power you need. All the healing you need. All the provision you need. All the protection you need. All the wisdom you need. Everything that you need was produced 2,000 years ago. There is a power station in the earth as a result of the cross. Faith just plugs into what's been provided. Faith doesn't move God. Faith accesses what God has done. Faith doesn't move God. God's sitting down today. And Jesus is sitting down too. They are both sitting down. God is not going to move until this thing's over. He moved 2,000 years ago. Okay? Now, the Spirit of God is here. And how many of the Spirit of God is going to teach you and coach you? And how many of the Spirit of God is going to lead you to plug into what's been provided? But how many know, how many know that salvation is here for every man, woman, and child on this planet? The, the, the blood of Jesus has cleansed everybody's, has taken care of everybody's sin. But how many know if they don't plug into it, they ain't going to enjoy it? How do they plug into it? Believing. Believing. How many know God can save anybody? No one is too bad for God to save. God can save anybody. Anybody. How many know Hitler could get saved, could have got saved on his deathbed? Man, I don't know if he did or not. You know what I'm saying? I have no idea, but how I many he could have? How many of Osama bin Laden could have got saved on his deathbed? No one outsinned the cross. The blood is more powerful than sin, right? But like, even though the grace of God is present in the earth for everyone, you're only going to get it if you plug into it. How do you plug into it? By believing. You know, I spent the first 19 years of my life as an atheist. I did not believe in God. I believed that God was for weak people that needed a crutch. I spoke out against God. I was antagonistic towards Christians. I made Christians cry. I tried to argue them out of their faith. And how many of you know the whole time my sin had been paid for? Yep. How many of you know the whole time God loved me? But until I was about 19, 20 years old and I came to the end of myself and I had tried everything else and someone had sowed the seeds of the gospel into my heart and those little seeds were germinating in darkness. The darker my life got and the more doors closed around me, I started thinking I might want to give Jesus a shot because nothing else is working. And then finally, God pursued me and I made that decision and those tiny little seeds that were sown by my high school teacher that did not look like they were anything when he sowed them into my life. I fought him tooth and nail. I was mean to him. The whole time he preached the gospel to me, never think your words don't matter. Never think the seeds you've sown don't matter because you have no idea what those seeds are going to do. That's right. I mean, and one of my announcements is we're going to have to start picking fruit out of this garden because this garden's about, it's busting at the seams. Not, it's about ready to, probably next week or next, we're going to have to start getting these vegetables off, right? How many know all that stuff started as a tiny little seed? That's right. And so it just looked, this tiny little seed. How many know this thing, it's, it's filled with life now. That's 
That, 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 that a teacher that witnessed to me in high school. I've been in ministry for almost 20 years now. 15, 6, I don't know how long, 16 years, we'll say that or whatever. But how many know it started as a tiny little seed in this angry little, this angry high school kid's heart? And I, I say all that to say this, A, never think that your words don't matter. B, you have no idea what the seed you're sowing is going to do. But how many know I could not access all the cross has provided until that seed finally germinated and I believed? Right? But the cross is here. How many know that the provision, so I want to encourage you, if you think that your faith moves God, you're going to spend a, a good portion of your life not thinking He loves you. If you think that your faith moves God, it's like God, like if, if, if you were half as nice as me, you would heal my child. Come on, Come on. Come on guys. See, God's not, not, we're not trying to move God, we're trying to plug into what God's already done. Yeah. That's what faith does. And, it, and we've been taught wrong that our faith was going to move God or our fasting was going to move God or our money was going to move God. God's not for sale. God is sitting down. The power station is in the earth. It's the cross. And when you plug in properly, you have what the cross provides. So now what we can do is we can stop blaming God externally or internally for things that don't happen in our timetable. And we can stop silently being resentful towards God because this didn't happen or that didn't happen. Everybody tracking me here? It changes the face of everything when you understand faith does not move God. Faith accesses the grace that was provided. And I would encourage you to get that into your mind so big that it becomes a part of who you are. Because, how I many you know, when I understand all i got to do is plug, is, is plug into what's provided, it changes everything. That's right. It changes the way I live, it changes the way I move, it changes everything that I do. So let's take a look at, at, at how we, at, at quickly, how we plug in. Let me see how much time I have. Okay, i got ten minutes. I refuse to preach more than an hour. Hebrews chapter 4. If I can't say what i got to say in an hour, then I have a problem and I need to change the way I'm saying it. That's what I've decided. Amen. Because the fried chicken's calling. Hallelujah. <laughs> you can only preach so much, man. I mean, you know what I'm saying? The, your, your butt taps out. It's like, I'm done. I ain't listening to nothing else this guy's saying. <laughs> but let's look at it here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Not being mixed with faith. Now, turn to Numbers 13, and let's take a look at this actual account that he's talking about so we can understand what's going on. Once again, don't allow all your past teaching to bring you into a place of being disgruntled or like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Don't allow the scriptures are true, even though someone may have not have preached them the right way. Not being mixed with, with faith. So, how many know? Once again, you're not trying to get more faith. You have the faith of Christ. But you do need to mix your faith so that you can plug in. Come on now. That's your part. So, what is what does the mixing of faith look like? Let's look at it. Numbers chapter 13 and verse. Verse 25, and then let me just stop. The children of Israel are about to go into the promised land. They're about to take what God has given to them. 
and they're about to send these spies in to check out the land and all that, and they're about to receive a promise that was made to them, right? Now, how many know that we can transfer that into our own lives? How many know God has exceeding great and precious promises that He's given to us, right? And we want the promises of God. We want what God has. I need all of God's help, and we want it, right? And so we're going to look at what he, he was directly talking about he says, one group mixed it properly, one group did not. Numbers 13, verse 25. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, to all the congregations, and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, they say, look, the land's good. The fruit's good. The promises are good. Can we agree that God has good promises? Yes. We can all agree on that, right? But then, this is when their tone changed. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the giants, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Heatites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So they said, the land is good. The promises are good. But the people are strong, the people are mighty, the people are great. Now, how many know they sent in 12, but only two came out that mixed it with faith? And how many know 10 died? Two went in. How many know Caleb and Joshua went in the promised land? Those other 10 guys, I get, we don't even know their names. Anybody know the name of one of those people? No, you don't. Why? Because nobody cares. <laughs> we know the names of the guys that went in. Now, how many know that the promised land was given to all 12? It was given to all of them. Two mixed faith. The other ones did not. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome. How many know Caleb is talking different than the other ten? Let's, go, let's get deeper into the heart of the matter. Numbers 13 and verse 31. Drop down to there, please. It says, But the men that went with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than us. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it's a land that eats up the inhabitants, and all the people we saw are men of great stature. Now hold on now. We started out just the people were strong and they were giants. How many, listen to me, how many know negativity snowballs and gets bigger and bigger? They first start saying, I don't know how we're going to do this. The gas prices are too high. I don't know how we're going to do this. Recession is coming. I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how. How are we going to do this? How are we going to provide? How are we going to do? What are we going to do? How many know they started out being negative, but then how many know eventually it got up, the land itself eats the inhabitants? How many know they've lost their minds? Why? Because they're not speaking what God told them. They're speaking what they're seeing with their natural eyes, and not only are they speaking what they see with their natural eyes, now they're saying things that ain't even true. It has never been a time when the ground, well, there has been in the scriptures, but like they did not see people, the ground eat somebody. You know what I'm saying? That didn't happen, all right? 
But they're, but they're so caught up in the negative that they're being consumed with it. And the promise that was given to them, they can't eat it. And they don't eat it. They just die. Because they're running their mouth against the faithfulness of God. And here's the thing. I'll bring this out. God never said they weren't going to be giants. God never said that they were going to be stronger than the people. God just said, I'm going to give it to you because I love you. And see, what they did was they stopped factoring God into the equation and they just looked at themselves in their own strength. And if you just look at yourself and you just look at your own strength, then you are going to be sorely disappointed because you are not good at being a God. Come on. I am not good at being a God. I'm not good. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can't do it. But that's okay. When David stood against Goliath, he never said, I am strong and I am mighty and my sword and I, I, I. David didn't even mention himself. He wasn't thinking about himself. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? How many know you're living in a day and age where people are mocking your God? They are mocking what you believe. They're mocking what you think is right. They're mocking you. They're attacking you. And they are in the majority. They have all the money. They have the news atlas. They have this. They have that. But listen, we have God. That's all we need. We don't need anything else. How many times has God brought His people to this place? It happens over and over and over again. And each time it happens, we're shocked. You're going to have some Red Sea moments in the days ahead. You're going to have some moments where you know you got the army behind you and the Red Sea's in front of you. And there's these moments in your personal life where you're challenged. We just faced a moment like that with, with Eli. <coughs> After church last Sunday, Eli's joints swelled up. They were red. He could not stand and he could not walk. And I tell you what, man, when you face a battle that's against your child, it's different, man. And there we are. And here I am. And there God is. Now here's the last thing I need to do. Well, you know what I don't need to do? God, move! Why aren't you moving, God? You need to move. Because if I think that my faith is moving, God, I'm going to be mad at Him because my child is miserable. God, I'm trying to produce enough faith tokens to get you to heal my child. God, please, just take my faith tokens. I want to kick that whole thought process right in the face. Because you know what it does? It puts tons of pressure on me, and it makes God look like He's the bad guy. And both are wrong. God's not the bad guy, and I don't need the pressure because I can't take it. I need to rest in the grace of God and the love of God but I also need to agree with what God has said about my child. That's right. What has God said about my child? That no sickness shall come nigh his dwelling. By the stripes of Jesus, he's healed and made whole. No weapon formed against me and my family can prosper. I'm going to take a stand. But I'm not going to make my child suffer while I take a stand. We took him to the emergency room. We took him to the children's hospital. And they did tests on him. And they were trying to you know, figure out what in the world's going on. And then it's Monday and everybody in the church is getting married. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. Everybody got married on Monday. Like the whole church got married, you know. 
I'm just kidding. Just kidding. No, not. I love all of you guys. I'm only. Y'all knew what was going on. And so, but while all this is happening, you know, my wife's in. You know, I spent the night with him on Sunday night, and then Monday got all these responsibilities to do. Pressure, 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 pressure. Right. And so, like, man, I'm putting my trust in the Lord, and I'm saying what God has said. Right. And I'm waiting, and I'm trusting, and I'm hoping, and I'm taking authority over fear, and I'm encouraging my wife, and I'm encouraging myself, and I go before the Lord, and just what I, I just get the sense, this too shall pass. We don't know what's happening. They did blood work. They did, they did tests, all these things. All this stuff's going on, and pressure, right? Now, now here's the thing. Now, now Listen. You know who's not the hero of this story? Yes, sir. I'm not the hero of this story. My faith is not the hero of this story. My giving is not the hero of this story. My faithfulness is not the hero of this story. Jesus Christ is the hero That's of this right. story. Because right. Jesus Christ came through. Right. Y'all tracking me here? Right. See, my faith is not for the purpose of glorifying me. My faith is for the purpose of glorifying Jesus. Mm -hmm. My faith just accesses what Jesus has already, already done. So anyway, they release him late Monday night. We have an appointment uh, with the specialist uh, on Friday. And, be, and because on Monday night, you know, he's no, he can walk and he can move and his, his joints aren't red anymore. They're a little bit swollen. There's a little bit of redness. We take him to the specialist on Friday. They look at him. They check him out. They check all of his blood work. They check everything out. And they're like, he is totally and completely healthy. He is totally whole. They say, we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't think we'll ever have to see you again. Now, here's the thing. Now, what happened? I don't know. I don't care. All thing I care about is my son is healthy and my son is well. And, but here's the thing. The whole time, I mean, you know, we had to stand on the promises of God. Right. What was the enemy trying to do? He's trying to say, well, we're, he's going to always be this way. That was the primary attack. Well, because one of the reports that was coming is rheumatoid arthritis, children's arthritis. Here comes the enemy. Here, how many of the medical community will, will put a tag on you? Right. Nothing against the medical community. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for what they do. But like I have a, I have a court that's higher than their court. Yeah. I have a truth that's greater than the facts that they present to me, right? right. And so I told Stacy, I said, listen to what they got to say, but don't, you, don't agree with anything that they say. Yep. Take your stand on the promises of God. Speak out the Word of God. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to agree with the ten spies and say that, that, that it, it's too strong or it's too great or it's too mighty. No! What came against my son is not bigger than Jesus. It's not bigger than the cross. And there's nothing that any of us will ever face that's bigger than our God. Amen? And listen, and listen, there are times when you're going to plug in and there are times when you've only got one prong in. Can we be honest? You know, I'm not saying like, you know, you get faith and grace just right and you're just going to fly through life like you're the greatest thing in the world. That don't, that's not in the book. Do y'all think Paul had great faith? Did he get stoned? Did he die? He did. They raised him from the dead. Did he, ha did he, did he, did he, did he have a shipwreck? Did a viper bite him? You know what I'm saying? Did he go to jail? Okay. So... Your faith, access and grace, does not mean the absence of problems. And it doesn't mean you're going to live this perfect life. But you know what it does mean? It does mean that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the challenge, you've got somebody standing with you. 
You got somebody that's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. My son wasn't being punished because of my sin. My son wasn't being punished because of my mistakes. I mean, that's the dumbest stuff in the world. Yet people teach that from the pulpit all the time. No, no, no. Take a stand on the promises of God and say what God has said. Jesus is the hero of the story. Amen. And, and, and so, and then they go on and they say, and there we saw the giants and the son of Anak, which are of the giants. And we're closing right here. And we were in our, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. How many of y'all, this world's trying to make you feel small? Come on. Come on. It's trying to make you feel small. Man, don't, get, don't, don't give any place to what they think is right and what they think is wrong. Take your stand. How many of y'all, this world passes away? How many of the kingdom of God never passes? Put your shoulders back and be strong and be confident and don't care what anybody thinks about you. The only thing that matters is what God thinks. And just because they're out there all crazy, doing all their crazy stuff, and they're the majority, they think they're right. This ain't their world. Now, I pray to God that as many of them can come over to, to light as they can. You know, I mean, I'll, it's God's will that all men be saved. I don't count them as my enemy, but at the same time, I ain't bowing down to this world. He that's within us is greater than he that's within the world. I'm not going to walk around like a grasshopper. I'm going to walk around like a son of God. You walk around like sons and daughters of God. Can you get an amen? amen. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to be worried about anything. God will show himself strong on behalf of his people in the day and age that we're living in. It's all this stuff's important because so many people are going to get saved as a result of all this shaking that's going on. Yep. Amen? And so, last thing, this is what they said. Come on, mixing it. How many, how you mix it? You speak. You say what God has said. How'd you get saved? You spoke. You said something. Believe in your heart, say it out of your mouth. You've got to agree with God. How I many you know I couldn't come in there and agree with the doctors? Rheumatoid arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. No, I'm not putting their report in my mouth. I'm going to put God's report in my mouth. That's right. If a tornado comes or storm comes or whatever, I'm not putting their report in my mouth. I'm putting God's report in my mouth. No weapon for it against me shall prosper. Y'all tracking me here. That's how you mix it. You're not trying to get faith. All you're doing is agreeing with God. Joshua and Caleb agreed with God. The other ten people did not. The other ten died. Joshua and Caleb went in and took the promised land. Because they just agreed with God. Amen. And I know confession has been abused. I know people have tried to use it to turn it into some kind of magic trick. Well, if you say it 30, 35,000 times, then you'll twist God's arm and He'll do it. That's not, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. But, but you agree with the Lord. That's what you do. You say what God has said. Amen. You see family members looking like they're, you know, they're not drawn near to the Lord? No, man. You say, no, man. The Bible says that me and my whole house will be saved. Hold on to promises of God. Say what God has said. Amen? Anyway, let me finish right here. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephna were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Here's the key, key issue. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. How many know Joshua and Caleb recognize we don't have to be strong? The Lord delights in us. Will you believe the Lord delights in you? Will you believe that He loves you? 
Will you believe that your sin's taken care of and He has good plans for you? Amen. Let's, believe, let's agree with Him. Amen. Let's say what He said. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said, stone them with stones. How I many you know when you start trusting God, you might lose friends? When you start trusting God, it might change the circle of people you're around. And you might have moments where you feel like you're alone. But let me tell you something. You're not alone because God is with you. And there are other believers all over the world standing with you, waiting on the return of Jesus Christ. So in the days ahead, we need the promises. We need to be able to plug into what, and I know my, this is cheesy, but it doesn't matter because you know what I'm saying? Like, understand, you're just plugging in. You're just plugging into what's been provided. That's it. How do you do it? You say what God has said. Just agree with the Lord. Mix it. Mix it with faith. Say what God has said. Amen? I mean, you know, all 12 could have went in. I, I, well, they, should have, they should have said what Joshua and Caleb said. See, it wasn't the might of the swung sword. It was the words that were spoken. Joshua and Caleb didn't defeat the giants in that land because they were so strong. It's because their God was strong. It's because their God was strong. Amen? All right, cool. I'm really trying to shut up, so... Amen. That's it. So, Lord, help us to understand that we're not faith people. We're not grace people. We're Jesus people. Help us to balance these truths. Help us to come out of the ditch on either side. And help us to walk in the fullness of all that you have. We thank you that you teach us how to do it. I thank you we don't grow weary in learning. We stay teachable. We stay students. And Lord, we just thank you that you teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You need to give an envelope this morning. Lift your hand up and we'll get one to you. Those that are watching online, if you guys want to give into our ministry.